This is the Out of Water Podcast. Out of Water is a production of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and tell a friend to help them find Out of Water also. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Out of Water Podcast. My name is Sam Caston-Smith, and I'm more nasally than than normal, (laughs) so I got a little bit of a sore throat, but we are pressing through. Joining me today is Will Bushman. Just so you guys know, he looks like what he sounds like. (laughs) But I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah. So I I still enjoy coming in and talking about the Bible. So let's get on this. So we had chapter, we finished up chapter eight of Exodus last week, and we've gone through the first four of 10 plagues. And so we talked about how God's purpose statement in these plagues is so that the Egyptians may know that he's the Lord, which has a little bit of an element of judgment to it. Like he wants the people who are standing opposed to him in rebellion to know, no, 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 (laughs) I'm the Lord, I am God. But he's also going to be coming through all of these plagues, showing that all of their idols and all of their fake gods are indeed powerless so that the people come to him. And we've already kind of blown the ending and given a little bit of a spoiler that a lot of these Egyptians are going to be coming out with the Israelites. And so in showing them that he's the Lord, he's winning their souls to an eternal afterlife. And when you consider it in those ways, we talked about how God wrecks our idols so that we open our hands from being tight-fisted with all of these things that we find to be precious, but leave us empty and enslaved to them. God opens our fingers so that he can give us something far greater, which is himself. And so going through these first four plagues, we've had, you know, the Nile turning to blood. We've had the frogs. We've had the lice or gnats, whatever that is, smaller bugs. And then we had the bigger bugs, which I think are beetles. Most Bibles translate as flies. Either way, God is going through the pantheon of Egyptian gods, and he is just wrecking them. So the very last plague that we had, plague four, it ends with Pharaoh seemingly recognizing that God is powerful. He, he tells Moses, hey, you know, go back and I, I want God to turn the spigot off of, of all of these flies or, or, or beetles. And he's like, plead for me, like recognizing that I don't have the power to stop this. None of my magicians have the power to stop this. God alone has the power to stop this. So in some sense, Pharaoh's recognizing he is the Lord and yet he hardens his heart again. And so you jump into the fifth plague with that going on. Yeah, I think it's about to get real bad here. Yeah, it's about to get real bad. And and I was thinking, like, this plague that's coming up, we'll see that's a livestock dying. But the other ones had, like, flies invading. Now they're just, like, sitting in their own land, which is a wild thought. Yeah, so now from this point forward, everything with the plague fort, it impacts the Egyptians but not the land of Goshen. So everything now is specifically targeted to the Egyptians, which would have been an even greater sign like, this is for real. Like, this is divine. There's no other explanation for this of why these creatures don't invade (laughs) this particular boundary. I mean, there's not not like there's a fence there. It's just them obeying God. It's creatures obeying their creator, which which is pretty wild. 
And so you get into plague number five, and it says, the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go. And I love this, like the whole idea that God identifies them as my people. And you got to remember that the last thing that we remember about his people is that they are super angry with his plan. You know, he came in, Pharaoh said, hey, you're just being lazy. I'm going to increase your workload. And they're all mad at God. They're all mad at Moses. They don't believe that God is behind this mission. And here you have God repeatedly coming to Pharaoh and still claiming these people that are like so obstinate and, and rebellious to him even in this moment. And again, that's a comfort because guess what? <laughs> that's us. And so he says, let my people go. I relate to them. I'm, I'm on their side. I'm, I, I'm compassionate toward them that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the fields, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, the flocks. And in the ancient world, that's not just, hey, I'm going to take away all of your your hamburgers and your steaks. Yeah, This is industry. Yeah, it, I mean, back then, that's how you did just about everything. I mean, you had the donkeys and, and you had camels and horses that carried out. They were like the machinery of the ancient world. And so here you have God saying, hey, I'm taking your livestock and I'm going to destroy it if you don't stop. And it's remarkable that Pharaoh is still going to remain stubborn in the face of this after you've seen God follow through on every promise prior to this. Yeah, this one's wild because he has time to think about it too. Like God, it's like tomorrow this is going to happen. Like yep. cha- change your mind. Like think over, you know, weigh the pros and cons. And it's crazy because yeah. you're not going anywhere in the desert land of Egypt without a camel. Like it really shuts down everything. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's we're there's so many stories right now, you know, being in pastoral ministry where, where you can kind of relate to this, where you're looking at somebody who's on a road to destruction. The road is just obvious. I mean, it doesn't need the voice of God to tell you how the story is going to end. You see the destruction that's coming. Everybody around you sees the destruction that's coming. And I'm thinking primarily of addiction and good grief. The person can't let it go. Yeah. Like there's something in the human heart that just is addicted to sin and being your own master and you know the road's going to lead to destruction and everybody around you is looking at you going why in the world will you not soften your heart and let this go it leads to a really bad fate and yet we see in humanity we do this again and again it's not just pharaoh um and he you know and this plague what's interesting because you know the the nile turning to blood that lasts for seven days would have been really really inconvenient you know The the frogs, okay, you, you know, we, we got some frogs. You know, watch where you step. We can't eat, you know, maybe for a few days. Then you got the lice, and you can't worship, and then you've got the dung beetles, but there hasn't been anything that's been like, hey, this is going to be long-lasting damage to your way of life. This is going to be long la- I mean, imagine your livestock wiped out. I mean, think about that. Like there's, there's no more trips to the grocery store to get your meat and all of them. It's not like he's leaving two for breeding purposes. I don't know. That's just wild. It, right. But then you get like, not to go all psych psychology on us, but Pharaoh, 
He's never had anyone do anything. Like, you're Pharaoh. Yeah. You've been in charge this whole time. No one's touched you. People think you're a god. So imagine getting used to that kind of lifestyle. Then all of a sudden, you're like, you're not God. Yeah, you don't. There's no humility that's ever been created to you. You never had to grow in. And all of a sudden, you're faced with this thing where you're like, if I give in, I'm giving into everything. Yeah. I have to accept an entirely different identity. Yeah. I am no longer God. Yeah, I guess I never sympathize with Pharaoh in this story, but it is a tough spot for him to be in. I mean, yeah. just totally destroying everything about him. Yeah, life shattering. I mean, and but it would have been in a good way had yeah, he yeah. relented. He just can't see that. Of course, yeah. Which is, you know, where we all are again. We all, we all want to sit on the throne. That's the that's the nature of a sinful condition, a sinful nature as we think we're we're the center of the universe. And it, you know, grace and the spirit of God comes and kind of wrecks us of that to recognize, you know what? I'm not the center of the universe. I'm not even the main character in my own story, yeah. you know, which is, which is hard to grasp, you know, that I'm, I'm not responsible for my salvation. I need a savior outside of myself. That requires humility. You know, I'm, I'm not the hero here, mm. you know, everybody wants to be the hero. Um, and Pharaoh, you know, wants to be God, <laughs> right? So God comes and says, hey, I'm going to destroy not only your livestock that, you know, you get your meat from, but your entire industries, like all of this. The Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. And the Lord set a time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And the next day the Lord did this thing. All the livestock of the Egyptians died but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. Because you know that morning he's looking around at fields filled with dead animals. And now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, is this true for them as well? But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. It's, you, I mean, you really get more when you read this kind of slowly and digest it slowly. Every time it says that he hardens his heart, it's like, dude, like, stop. It, it's it's wild. All right, so, so you get to the sixth plague, the boils. And I want to pause here and mention something that I didn't mention in the last episode because now we're seeing how this plays out. For, for whatever reason, and I'm not exactly sure of the reason, maybe you have a thought on this. God breaks down these plagues in series of threes coming up to, to the last one, which will be the death of the firstborn, which is its own kind of plague. But in every single one of, of the cycles of three plagues, the first plague, the fourth plague, and the seventh plague, you have God coming to Moses saying, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh early in the morning. And I want you to tell them, here comes something, you know, and, and then the first one, it's the blood and the fourth one, it's the beetles and the. In the seventh plague, you're going to see that it's the the hail and fire coming down from heaven. But in all of those, it's rise up early and go and present yourself to Pharaoh. Then in the, the second plague, so the second of the set of three, so the second plague, the fifth plague, and the eighth plague. Am I making, you following me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In all of those, you have God telling Moses, I want you to go before Pharaoh, and I want you to say to him, blah, 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 blah. So he gives a warning for the second, fifth, and eighth plague. But when you get to the third of the three, third, sixth, ninth, there's no warning. It'll tell you know, Pharaoh hardens his heart, and then God says, Okay, do this to him. 
There's no, hey, Pharaoh, please don't do this because God's going to send another plague. And for whatever reason, that that remains consistent in each of these sets of threes. And maybe, you know, when you look at them, you might see something different. But if you've got, you know, lice is the third plague. This is another one of these things. Lice is the third plague. What's the thing about lice? Well, it sticks to all the priests and they're incapable of worshiping. Then you get to the sixth plague. So the, the third thing in the second set of three, and it's boils. And that's something that covers your skin. It's on you again. And what is it going to do? It's going to keep you from moving. It's going to keep you from, from worshiping. It's on the bottom of your feet. You can't walk. It's super painful, right? Then you get to the ninth plague and to kind of blow the ending of what, what's coming there. It's darkness, but it's not just normal darkness. It says it's darkness that can be felt. It's like a blanket. You can feel it on yourself. And so in the third of each of these sets of three, it's something that's on you. That's like, you can't ignore it. You know, the livestock are dead. Okay. Yeah. I can close my door and pretend that that doesn't exist, you know, but in this one, it's like, it's on, it's boils. You're in pain. It's on you. You can't ignore it. And it's like, he's going through these sets of three. And by the time he gets to the third, it's one that's so like, unignorable (laughs) that it's like okay how about now and yet it all has to start over again Hmm. that is interesting to go from like a larger communal then it narrows down then it goes back up then it narrows down then it goes back up yeah so yeah i mean a nile to blood is everywhere and it's it starts becoming to where each person has you know an experience to where it's now it's on you yeah what do you think now so plague number six, hopefully that makes <laughs> that made sense. It's a lot of numbers and math and division involved there. Plague number six, uh, verse eight, it says, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot. So there's no, hey, go to Pharaoh. He just, his heart was hardened. He disobeyed. And it's like, nope, we're just going straight to the plague. Could you imagine not having any warning before boils? Yeah. <laughs> like of all of the ones you'd probably want oh. a little warning for, you just pop up and you get hit with the soot and all of a sudden boils. Yeah, that, this would be not fun. Not fun at all. And so, I mean, there's there's a reason why it says take handfuls of soot from the kiln. What is soot from the kiln? Well, it's things that have been burned really badly to the point where, you know, the wood is ash now or soot. Well, what are boils? Boils literally make you feel like your skin is on fire. They're mm-hmm. tremendously hot. That's why they're called boils. And so... Yeah, they bubble up and they look like your skin's boiling. You yes, know, I've never thought of that, but it makes sense. Yeah, it checks this out. Is, <laughs> this is very uncomfortable, right? Take handfuls of soot from the kiln and let Moses throw them in the air in the side of Egypt. So here you have something that's in the air that's like causes a covering over Egypt. And it will become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they took sit from the kiln and stood before Pharaoh and Moses threw it in the air and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. So now you got to think like, I always think of like people who have shingles, you're desperate for things not to touch the shingles because it's so painful and it burns so much. Imagine having that on the bottom of your feet, boils that are going to be pustules that pop Oof. and get infected and burn and hurt to the touch, and they are on the bottom of your feet. You can't even stand up because of these things, which means if you can't stand up, what else can you not do? 
sit down, walk, go anywhere. <laughs> you can't worship. You can't do anything for Pharaoh. You can't, you can't obey anything. You're just, you're totally immobilized. And we skipped the whole point of the God thing for the fifth plague. But with the livestock, the God Hathor, which is a big God in Egypt, you have the apis bull, all of these sacred symbols that what the Egyptians would have said, oh my goodness, the symbols behind these gods, they're all done. There's a ton of Egyptian gods that look like livestock. And with boils, we're starting to get higher up in the pantheon of the Egyptian gods because now you're talking about Isis. And Isis, the god of healing, this is, you're getting more, what? Sorry, when you hit people with Isis. Oh, yeah, 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 the, <laughs> kinda, the Muslim kinda terrorist takes you back, group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that Isis. The original Isis. The original the Isis, yeah, OG of Egypt. I guess Isis is in Egypt now too, but anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Yeah, not that Isis. But Isis, the god of healing, and there's so many other gods of healing that would have looked really impotent here. Thoth is considered to be part of healing. Sekhmet is considered to be a part of a healing in the Egyptian culture. And so you have these gods that you know people would have prayed to all the time when their relatives were sick or you came and made offerings. And so these are gods that are very, very precious, fake gods that are powerless, that are fake, you know, and now they're all falling. Could you imagine being Pharaoh? These two walk in. They don't say a word to you. You're looking at them. They take some soot, throw it in the air, and you're like, oh, no. What's going to happen Yeah, now? what is this? <laughs> and then, bam, boils. He must, be, he must be so angry this whole time. But, again, he's not going to relent. Like, how, how it's, it's wild. And so, like, here you start seeing... This is going to be where it really starts to turn on, like his own people. Like before they were like, hey, this is the finger of God. You know, we recognize that this God has us beat. You know, maybe you should think about things, Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah, his people really respect him because if I'm starting to get boils, we're, yeah. we're, we're breaking down some doors. Yeah, you know, we're trying to figure plot. this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> For real. For real. And you start seeing, like at the beginning of this, when God tells Moses, hey, I'm going to make the Egyptians favorably disposed to you. And you're thinking, how in the world is that going to happen? Like, if you're going to be unleashing plagues upon Egypt, aren't they going to hate us? And the reality is they begin to feel so much contempt toward Pharaoh, who they see as the reason why all of this is happening, that they give... The, the Israelites and God a pass. They don't see, it's like Pharaoh is so stubborn and idiotic, he brought this on us, and they blame him, not God, hmm. through all of this hardness, and which is pretty wild, you know? So verse 11, it said, the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and all of the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So now we go, Back to plague one, and remember all of these, one, four, seven, what should you be expecting? Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh. Here we go again. It's like starting the cycle over again. And say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews. So again, he's identifying with the Hebrews very much. Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on the on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth, which is a reality. 
Like, how do you not realize that? Like, here's a God who's doing all of these wild things. At some point, don't you just stop and go, he's going to kill me. Like, he's just going to strike me dead. Yeah, I guess if you're a logical, normal human. But again, <laughs> Pharaoh's not, he's not tracking too good right now. He really is not. And But God says, do you realize, like, I could, I could kill you. But for this purpose, I've raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Like, he's... This is pretty wild. He's letting Pharaoh in on the playbook. I'm going to make you mighty so that I can wreck you and show the earth how mighty I am. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as has never been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. And you got to think like, Egypt is a very arid place. It's always been an arid place. That's why the Nile is so precious. Like, it's desert. It doesn't rain. To get a hailstorm that's going to be a big enough deal to where it crushes the nation is way out of the ordinary. Like, it's not like Egyptians are outside going, oh, hail, another hailstorm. Like, this would have been, whoa. Yeah, they wouldn't even have a category for ice falling from the sky. In Egypt, like, I, I, I would think not. I mean, I guess in Florida we get hailstorms here and there, but we're a tr- like a, a subtropical or whatever we are. Climate. Even I know what hail is, but if I walked outside and started getting hit with ice, I'm I'm going to be a little confused for a second. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And they don't have windshields that get broken. It's like, oh, we had a hailstorm. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home will die when the hail falls on him. And so now you get into a question like, what livestock? Yeah. What livestock's going on? And the only thing that I can think of is the moment that this happens, they're, they're either raiding the Hebrews or the first one is not every single livestock dropping dead. So they've either gone in and taken livestock from the Hebrews or, which you, you think they'd obviously do, or the, the plague did not take every single livestock. It just decimated herds. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going back. Yeah, I guess the, nine, or the fifth plague in, at the beginning of chapter 9 just says it's going to be severe, mm-hmm. which is kind of vague, but that doesn't mean like every single one will die. Right. Yeah, and so it said, Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into his houses, which is, which in a sense is the first opportunity for them to show faith. It's like God is kind of leading them baby steps into trusting him, right? So when you get to the 10th plague, the, the Passover, what is the demonstration of faith there? What does God ask the Hebrews to do? Blood. Put the blood on the door, right? That's your demonstration of faith, and if you do that, you escape death. And so here he's telling the Egyptians, if you trust me, take your stuff and put them in shelter. And if you do that, then you escape death. And people are on board already. Totally. Like there's already Egyptians like, all right, yeah, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So it said, then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven so that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt on man and beast and every plant of the field in the land of Egypt. Then Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth, which I I just think is lightning. 
Um, it might be some kind of supernatural fire like you see in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. It could be. I, I think it's probably lightning. Uh, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck down everything that was in the field in all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. The hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, there was no hail. And so, like, I want you to, because you've got to think, your herds have been decimated with this severe plague. You know, the pestilence has wiped out your herds. And what we don't think of with hail is it's decimated your crops. Like, have you ever seen a real severe hailstorm that's, like, wild? It wrecks stuff, like, really badly. You can, I mean, you look up at YouTube, like, severe hailstorm or something. It's pretty wild what it can do. And this is just like, okay, your livestock's gone. Now your crops are gone. And people that were outside and animals that were outside, Egypt is just getting wrecked. I'm also starting to understand why Moses had to be humbled and wait a long time for this because, man, this could really go to your head if you're stretching out your hand and stuff's <laughs> happening. Yeah. I know it's the power of God, but like, I get the humility needed for this because that could get weird in your mind. Like, a really look good at point. what's happening but yeah that's a really good point you know and, I, and i've thought about you know when moses is young and he's 40 years old and he's strong and he's like yeah i'm gonna kill the egyptian and lead a revolution like god says no you're gonna go be a shepherd with this mundane life until you're old and weak yeah. then i'll use you <laughs> you know and i think you're right there like if he if you had you'd been 40 and given all this like I'm, I'm 40 i couldn't handle this i'm 44 i couldn't handle this like if God started operating through me with that kind of stuff, like I'd be a maniac. <laughs> just know at it's 29, true. I'm going down. <laughs> it's really true. That's a really good point. And so like Moses has had a long time to be really humble. I mean, he's humble. Yeah. If anybody's humble, it's Moses. Yeah. And he, it's, you get the sense that he's kind of a, as much as Egypt has hurt him as much as, as he's wants his people to go free. Like, he is still eager to plead Pharaoh's case to the Lord and to go and, and ask for mercy and for the plagues, the spigot of the plagues to be turned off every time. Like you get the sense that Moses really wants the best for everybody. His heart is not like Pharaoh, you. Yeah, he's not waking up every day like, let's go get this guy. Exactly. You don't see that in Moses at all, which is wild. Which is fascinating. It's yeah. wild. Um, and I think that comes with his humility. Like he's been that hard hearted, stubborn one who was shown mercy. You know, so I think he looks at Pharaoh and he's like, man, if he turns, I'm ready to be there because I was that guy once. Yeah, that's good. Verse 27, then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. Now, this is new because before this, he's been like, hey, plead to your God on my behalf to stop this, you know, the plagues. This time he's like, I'm in the wrong. Like I'm out of bounds here. I am. There's something off in me. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. And like we said, Moses said, As soon as I've gone out of the city, I will stretch my hands to the Lord, and the thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. 
But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. Hmm. Now, you know how before Moses would take Pharaoh's word for it and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go plead with God. And then, then the next time he's like, hey, please don't lie. Please don't cheat and change your mind. And Moses is starting to get the idea that Pharaoh's, you know, entirely dishonest and untrustworthy. Now Moses is like, uh, no, not until we're out of the city. Like once we're out of the city, I'll, I'll pray for your relief, but you've proven your character again and again and again. And I'm still willing to extend mercy and to plead on, on your behalf. But now you forfeited the right to be trusted. And so Moses isn't just a doormat and a, a buffoon who's like, oh, sweet, you're repenting now. He knows Pharaoh is playing a game. And he must have understood that this religious language was way too far for Pharaoh to be at this point, it seems. Yeah. Like for Pharaoh as God to say he's sinned seems like that's yeah. not matching up. <laughs> right. Like that would be a huge thing for him to do. So yeah, there's something that yeah. does seem off. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you've seen people who are like, you know, giving their life to Christ or, you know, wanting to be baptized or something. And you're like, mm, like, I just, I don't think you really understand what that means because there's nothing in your life that reflects the spirit's power dwelling in your mm. authentic faith or genuine love for the Lord. It's like people who who will say, yeah, 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 I accept Jesus because they want to get married, you know, to a to a Christian or something. You know, like, sure, yeah, I'll I'll become I'll become Presbyterian for you. And it has nothing to do with genuine heart. That's Pharaoh here is just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I I repent. <laughs> I send you're right. You know, just make it stop. Yeah, and you say this all the time about not that we should not use Jesus just as a means to an end, but he is the end that we should be looking for. And it seems like Pharaoh's like, okay, I just want this all to stop. And yep. if that's coming on your side, I'm in. Yeah. But he doesn't actually want God. That's it. God is, is the means, not the end for Pharaoh. And God's not interested in that. So verse 33, so Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and stretched out his hand to the Lord and the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain no longer poured on the earth. But no shocker. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, and he, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Yeah, this is just getting frustrating going through this so slowly. Right? Because usually, like you said, we just skip over all of these yeah, we moments. Memorize them, and it's easy then. Yeah, we just use them as a list. I'm like, oh. But, but you know what's going to happen? Like when we get on the other side of God's deliverance of Israel, it's so frustrating to read this from Pharaoh because you're like, how do you not get it? Like, stop, stop doing this. When you get to the other side of the Red Sea, yeah, it's God's people who are doing this. It's yeah. it, They're going to be like the and, ones where you're like, are you kidding me? Stop. And then it's us. So yeah, like, right. it's it all is. the way down the line. Oh, we're so broken. Yeah, like, like don't write a book about my life because then you'll be feeling the same way. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, oh, he did it again. <laughs> We're such morons. Anyway, it's hard. We are hard-hearted folks. Thank God for his patience, right? Uh, so the heart of Pharaoh's heart, and he doesn't, doesn't let the people go. You get Now we're in verse 10. and uh, Chapter 10. Yeah, thank you. Chapter 10. I do stuff like that where it's like I'll listen back during the edit, and I'm like, what? you do that mistake a lot. I don't know why. I, <laughs> I think it's because I say verse whatever so much. Yeah, and then you know the 10's pretty big. <laughs> it's It's different. Yeah, you're right. All right, so chapter 10, verse 1. We're getting into the eighth plague now. So this is second plague in the, the sets of three. This would be the third set, second plague 
And so God says, okay, let's do this again. Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell them in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I'm the Lord. And so here's some new language that you may tell them in the hearing of your son and your grandson. It's like, whoa, what? what? Why is that important to God? I want future generations to see this. Mm. I, I, want the nec- I want your kids and I want your grandkids to see me show up in what seems like, would have seemed like impossible odds to the rest of the world. Um, and by the way, plague number seven, this is also hitting gods because you have the sky, right? One of their big gods is Nut, the god of the sky. If you ever see Egyptian artwork with a big, you know, long, you know, person stretching over the, the whole thing. So that's Nut. And Horus and Shu, like you have these different gods, they're all falling, you know. And Nut would have been a big one. Horus would have been a very big one. So now we get to the eighth plague, locusts, and all of the. This one's going to be on all the gods of agriculture, because whatever was left from the hail that wrecked all of the crops and trees and everything else, well, guess what? Here comes the locusts to basically like it's like the dog that is licking up all the scraps that got devastated off the table. <laughs> you know, here comes the locusts that are going to chew up and eat up all the stuff that's not devastated enough by the hail. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell them in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I'm the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went in to Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Like, this is a much different tone that Moses is using in front of Pharaoh than when he first started. Yeah. Like, how long until you humble yourself? That's, that's bold. Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field and they shall fill your houses and your, the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day that they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. And what, you know, there's something to be learned here that the more you see God show up in the supernatural to rescue you from things that seem insurmountable, Every new thing that comes, you become a little bit bolder, right? Yeah. You expect God to show up. And that's true in our lives. The older you get, you know, it's like people in, that have been in the faith and they're, they're old, it's like almost nothing rattles them anymore. And it's because they've seen God show up again and again and again. They've seen him prove his faithfulness. And when they get old, they're just bolder. You know, young, you're, you're rash. You'll do big things. But then when it doesn't work out, you're devastated, yeah. right? Uh, old like the older people who've seen God move through their whole life it's like they're unflappable you know it's it's really interesting to watch so verse 7 then pharaoh's servant said to him how long shall this man be a snare to us let the men so now you have pharaoh's servants that are like listen moron <laughs> like stop how long 
is this man going to be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Everyone's getting bold out there. Yeah, yeah. Now Pharaoh, he's Pharaoh's getting lonely and at this point. So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to him, all right, go. Serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? And Moses says, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. And so Moses is looking, or Pharaoh is looking for hostages. And Moses is like, no, everyone's going. Male, female, young, old, all of us, all of our livestock, everybody's going. But he said to them, the Lord be with you. If ever I let you and your little ones go, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord, for that is what you're asking. In other words, leave the women behind. That way I know you'll come back. I'm going to hold power over you. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So he's just, he's mad. That's a good plan for Pharaoh. <laughs> Yo, right. You know, Pharaoh's trying his best. <laughs> so then... The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locust so that they may. So it's like no negotiation. There's no counter offer here. It's just boom. Here's some locusts. I mean, there's a counter offer, but it's locusts. <laughs> not, what you, not what you're wanting if you're Pharaoh. That's right. So the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locust so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the field, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land. That's not going to be the last time he brings an east wind. He'll do that at the Red Sea. He brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Locusts came up all over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been seen before, nor will be ever again. They covered the face of the whole land, said that the land was darkened. And they, right? Like, it's just. I mean, I'm not a bug guy, but I don't think anyone's enjoying this. No. It just, it would look like just utter Armageddon devastation. Everything's black. It's like when you go up to Central Florida in these times and just, I don't know, what are they, love bugs or whatever they are? They're just all over the walls. And you're like, where am I? (laughs) They're all over the front of your car. It's pretty gross. Like this, except everything is just black. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. So if you're Egypt, this is scared. Like your livestock is decimated. All of your crops are gone. I mean, it's servant said at last plug, they already saw the whole country's ruined and now this is just like they're like what more can we stack on this yeah i mean at least let us go gather up the the broken stuff that the hail left now that's gone too then pharaoh hastily called moses and aaron and and said i've sinned against the lord your god and against you just (laughs) all right yep now therefore forgive my sin please only this once and plead with the lord your god only to remove this death from me because you know it's literally he is surrounded by death at this point you know, you think about that like there's so much death and the, the fish die the frogs are gonna die 
all these bugs that are everywhere through three and four are dying. The, the livestock are dying. The, the crops are dying. And every single plague, there's some kind of remnant of death that's left in Egypt. And now you have Pharaoh, who's, who's miraculously still alive. You know, the, if anybody deserved to be dead, yes. it's him. And yet he's surrounded. Every one of these plagues leaves some stench of death around him. And he's like, oh, remove this death from me. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. That's Moses. Like, if you're if you're Moses, are you are you pleading with the Lord here? No, it's it's pretty. He's a pretty incredible guy. Wait, I said no too fast. I should have slowed down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, could see myself. Maybe. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people go. And so we come to the ninth plague. This will be the last one we hit on today. And so we're coming to the third set, third plague, which means he hardened his heart. Now there's, there's no intervention. There's no, hey, hey Pharaoh, how about, how about you turn again? It's just, bam, you know, here comes something, and it's going to be on you. It's going to be personal. You're not going to be able to escape it. It's like suffocating on you just like the gnats were and just like the boils were. It's like it's on you. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness, and this is important, to be felt, which means what? Well, how, do you, how do you interpret that? I'm just thinking I've never been like in the really, really dark before. Oh, I have. Yeah, where were you? In caves. They so don't we, do caves. We went to Mammoth Cave, and then we went to North Carolina and Linville Falls or something. Linville something caves, and you're in there, and there's no natural light that makes it down there. Like you could wave your hand right in front Oof. of your eyes, you can't see anything, and you know the the guides have lanterns, but when they turn them off, it's like lights out, dark, dark. There was one we went to a place that was in. Gosh, was it Tennessee that was like this sea? It was a lake that was underground in this huge cavern system, and there were fish in there that were like albino-looking, and their eyes were off because there's no natural light down there. And it was pretty it was pretty wild to be in a cave on a boat floating around <laughs> underneath the ground, rocks everywhere, and it, that was pretty wild. But, yeah, darkness is it's scary when you're – because you, you have no idea where anything is. You know, my kids could have fallen overboard. You know, like, no chance. Yeah. Like, where, what would you? Where are you? Yeah. You know, it's 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 scary. But I think when it talks about a darkness to be felt, like I don't know that it's like you know a darkness that feels like a blanket. Though that's kind of the the meaning here. I think it's hey, this is not just a darkness of the sight; it's a darkness of the soul. Like you are going to feel. Like we're getting closer to the climax. I want you to start feeling what it's like when the common grace of God to all people starts to lift. You're, you're going to feel some torment and some presence of darkness here. Now, that's my own interpretation, but darkness to be felt sounds terrifying. Yeah, if you're not depressed after you just lost everything, now in darkness, your soul's in a rough spot. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't like this one. I think of... This is for sure, for me, the, the one that would be the worst so far. 
This this one, really? Yeah. Have you ever felt real spiritual torment, like where you just felt totally hopeless? You know, I remember right around the time of my conversion, feeling like God had forsaken me, and pleading, you know, pleading for for some kind of intervention, some light to break through in the darkness, and feeling nothing. And it was, I I'd take physical pain all day, every day. I mean, I've had I I used to have cluster headaches, which is called one of the most painful conditions known to man, you know, and I would take that over the spiritual pain of feeling utterly forsaken. Yeah, I guess this is the dark night of the soul. and Oof. It is a yucky, yucky place. And so if that's what this darkness is, no thanks. It's, it is yucky, <laughs> very, very yucky. And it might not be. It might be a darkness that's just thick to where it's oppressive, like like there's a almost like a fog to it, but it's in the dark that you feel. It's, there's something to this. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in the, all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from the palace for three days, but all of the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, your little ones also. They may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. And he's still thinking he can negotiate. Like, okay, before it's, you know, leave, leave the females and the flocks. Now it's, you can take all the people, but leave your flocks because all of ours have been devastated. But Moses says, you must also let, our, let us have our sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind for we must take them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So it's no negotiation with terrorists here. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And then Pharaoh said to them, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again for on the day that you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. And this is going to like, but that's the last lifeline that Pharaoh has is Moses interceding on his behalf. And so when Moses says, you will not see my face again, that's, it's not good. (laughs) That's the last, that's the last hope of Pharaoh. And so as we're coming to the ninth of the 10th plague, this is the, you know, the most evident and obvious one, you know, the, the plague of locust is hitting all the gods of agriculture, you know, Nepper and Set and hoppy and all these other gods of egypt that that had to do with grain or agriculture or growth coming out of the nile Uh, but plague number nine three days of darkness everybody knows this god what's the sun god of egypt ra ra and so like this is your main powerful god and god just blots out the sun and so even ra is powerless to stand against Yahweh and all of Egypt would have been really (laughs) blown away and devastated by this. And one of the things that, that Galatians talks about, um, and this is, this is kind of wild. Like you, we all know that the 10th plague is, is the firstborn son of Pharaoh dying. And in Galatians, it talks about how when Jesus came, so here's God in the flesh, right? So Pharaoh's in the flesh, but he's not God. He's pretending. 
Jesus is actually God in the flesh, the Son of God taken on flesh. And Galatians says that he came into this world to be a curse for us. He came into the world to be a plague for us. And so you think about that, and it's like you know the, the Nile River, which was seen as the blood of God that, that was, was bringing life to all of Egypt. Like our God will actually pour forth his blood to bring life to the ends of the earth. You look at you know the, the plague of three days of darkness where the God Ra is seen as dead. What should that make us think? The tomb. Right. Our God, literally three days in a tomb. And on the verge of his death, you have three hours of darkness that plague the land of Judea. It's, a, it's kind of an echo going on here. And it's saying, no, no, no. It's, it's not Ra who dies for three days so that my people can go free. I will die for three days so that my people will go free. And then you get to the 10th plague and you see the echo there that's just tremendously obvious where you have Pharaoh who is seen as a god over all the people and he's proven to be impotent because he cannot save the life of his son. He loses his firstborn. And here you have God on the other side who looks at us and will demonstrate his power and his love by offering his firstborn son for us. Like you think of the the tenth plague when you get to the point where you know there's wailing on oh, and we're going into the next I mean, come on, save it for next episode. But you have all that wailing, that deep pain of what it's like to lose a son. Imagine being the eternal God the Father in a Godhead that was intimately and infinitely united, offering up your son as a plague upon yourself so that your people could be set free from the land of death and bondage. That's how much God loves us. And it's like as he's taking all of our little petty gods away so that he can show us that he is far greater, God is not just wrecking your life in a way that, you know, where he's like, ha-ha, I'm God, I'm impenetrable, nothing ever hurts me. No, he showed how much he loves us when he came into this world and experience the loss mm. of all things that we would consider gods, you know, wealth and a home and love and friendship. Like he literally had all of those things stripped away from him, even his life. Why? You know, God saw all of those things wrecked and taken away from him to show his love for us. And now he comes and says, look, all those things are good, but don't make them ultimates. Don't make them ultimates. I was willing to give them all away to gain you. You should be willing to lose them all to gain me. And the good thing about God is he doesn't call us to get rid of them all. You know, maybe maybe he does some, but we should be willing to lose everything for him because he was willing to lose everything for us. And he's enough. So we serve an incredible God. We really do. Um, and I, I hope, you know, walking through the plagues and seeing the way that God, even, even when he brings justice, you know, brings, brings that justice with an ultimate aim of mercy so that people will see him as he is and be drawn to him. And uh, I, hope, I hope that that is an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Out of Water Podcast. We will see you again next time as we jump into the last and final plague and the Passover. Have a great week. 
We hope you enjoyed your time with us and you will both subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. You can find out more about Out of Water, catch up on past episodes, and access show notes at our website, riovistachurch.com slash out of water. Thank you.